It's not necessary to be perfect in order to be good. Master teacher Jody Rice joins me on the podcast today to talk about this idea, especially in the context of her English classroom. I'm your host, Celeste Kirsch, and we are teaching tomorrow. Jody is a bit of a celebrity in my books who just so happens to teach with me at the Bishop Strong School. Through her active online presence and role on the college board, Jody has been a leader in the AP community and is currently teaching AP English for grade 11 students and an online course, Challenge and Change. If you're not familiar with AP, it stands for Advanced Placement and it's a program run by the college board, the people who make the SAT. It allows students to take courses at their high school, which can earn them college credit and qualify for more advanced classes when they begin college. I invited Jody on the show today to share her strategy for how she helps students actually digest the feedback that they get from her in English and how her very doable strategy helps young people take responsibility for their learning. Jody's system can make your report card writing easier, your parent-teacher conferences more productive, and your students more self-reflective learners. We also touch on the ways that she helps students in her English class manage perfectionism. Speaking of perfectionism, I'm going to be straight with you and acknowledge this conversation was only my 11th recorded interview. If you've been listening from the very beginning, you'll know that I am wholeheartedly embracing the steep learning curve that is starting a podcast. That said, after recording this conversation, I was disheartened to realize the sound on my mic was not picking up my voice, so I will sound a little bit echoey in this episode. I totally had the impulse to just beg Jody to re-record this one with me, but I am embracing the idea that good is better than perfect and just sharing this episode anyway. Hashtag growth mindset, y'all. Now let's jump right into my dining room conversation with the brilliant Jody Rice. We're sitting in my living room or my dining room. We're eating some delicious coconut cookies that your husband made Mm -hmm. us. And it's the summer and we're going to talk about teaching. Yep. It's what we do in the summer, actually. Yes. <laughs> I don't know about you. But we even, think about it. We talk about it. We read about it. Yeah. It doesn't go away. Yeah. It doesn't leave us. Um, what I heard from another interview that you did with another podcast, Talks with Teachers, with Brian Stabnick, uh, you had a teacher once who you were giving probably some constructive criticism oh, to. Oh, sure. You can call it that. <laughs> And was a pain in the, the teacher said, Jody, you will rule the world one day. And what did you say back to her? I said, no, just a classroom. It's perfect. <laughs> it's so perfect. Oh. And you do. I was one of those kids. Yeah. I think I was one of those kids too. I was also uh, talking to Vanessa and she was saying that she was the kind of kid who was teaching her stuffed animals. That's mm-hmm. how she knew mm-hmm. she was always going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, did you always know you wanted to be a teacher? Well, I, I started out wanting to be a teacher, and uh, and then everybody told me um, that I should... Well, it wasn't that everyone told me that I should be a lawyer, but I got into debating and public speaking, and um, and that was what everybody in public speaking and debating did, right? They were on this track to being people who debated and spoke publicly. Um, and so that's what I thought I was going to do. And I, I think I said this in, in the interview with Brian too, that um, the, the, the great irony was that the reason I didn't end up going into law was because I couldn't imagine myself doing the paperwork 
There's um, no paperwork in no, teaching. No, especially not English. Yeah, no. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's the irony. Um, I no, but I, I, I would help out my friends in university with their essays and, and they would, they would say, oh, no, this is, you're so, thank you so much. You're so good at mm-hmm. helping me with this. And, and I realized that that was really, I, I enjoyed doing it. So that was what I, I, I went back and said, no, you know, I, I think I want to be a teacher after all. So, yeah. Yeah. You're doing a great job at it. So <laughs> thank you're kind you. of a, I don't know if I've told you this, but there was a participant in cohort 21 a few years ago. And when I said that I taught at BSS, he stopped and he looked me straight in the eye and he said, you teach with Jody Rex. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, I do. Yeah, I mean, I don't directly teach with her, but you had a bit of a, I think it's your AP position. Yeah, the AP, I, I was um, as noisy in the AP world <laughs> as I was in my grade four <laughs> class. That's why we love you. Oh, man. <laughs> so you've taught pretty much everything um, under the sun, at least at BSS. Uh, over the years, you probably have had things that you gravitate more towards and things that you are maybe resisting a little bit more. What do you love most about teaching and what do you currently find the most challenging? Mm, what do I love the most? I guess it's, it's that kind of thing that brought me back to the idea of teaching um, as opposed to doing something else, mm-hmm. um, that idea of like working with someone and seeing them move forward. Mm-hmm. And um, just, I, I love interacting with the kids. Um, there's a bit of a performative element to it too that I like. Um, you know, those days when you just like, you're on roll and you just feel like everything's just coming along. Um, so th- I like that, but I, I, I do like, and it's, it's especially with, the grade level that I teach, um, I, I really love teaching grade 11 because they're in that cusp of really realizing who they are and what their place in the world is. And from the beginning of grade 11, they're they're pretty tentative about that. And then by the time they reach the end of grade 11, they've got, I feel like they've got this vision of themselves. And mm-hmm. I, I love seeing that develop over the course of the year. Um, they just, to me, they just really become people and not just kids <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, so funny because i feel that way about grade eight yeah and it's just a different level of that yeah right? yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah i really love that <laughs> the challenge is always time management always mm-hmm. always always mm-hmm. um and especially with ap because there's a very defined timeline and it's not the kind of situation where you can say, oh, well, you know, if we didn't do it now, then maybe we'll get to it later. It's like, if you haven't done it by the exam, then they're not gonna be able to use it on the exam. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I feel a bit at a disadvantage in some ways um, compared to some, like there are schools in the States that are back this week. Um, you know, I have friends in Arizona um, for whom yesterday was the first day of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get weeks more uh, than we do before. I mean, they get off in May, mm-hmm. um, pretty much when that exam comes around. It's for some of them, the exam is after the end of their school year. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. So I, I just I feel like I'm constantly racing the clock, yeah. um, and not just for the purpose of this exam, but you know, for everything. I'm just even not being in the AP world. I feel that like so acutely. It's yeah. just every day or wanting more time yeah mm-hmm. and you know every year I look at the timeline that I used last year and I think to myself how on earth did I fit that all in <laughs> and I feel like I'm just not doing 
justice to all of the ideas that I've had. And, you know, um, you cl- we, we talked about how you're constantly thinking over the summer about teaching and you're, you're collecting ideas and rethinking about, and then you, you, you think, well, I have to get rid of something <laughs> in order yeah. to be able to do this other thing. And, uh, so that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a risk. So that's, I wouldn't say it's a challenge. It's kind of like, it's a challenge in the way like, Ooh, challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like, and I'm, I'm, I'm teaching the AP course next year for the first time in a long time with someone else. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really interesting to get their perspective and their input. Um, and she's new to AP. So it's where I've taught it with people before I've taught it with people who are already familiar with AP. Right. Um, so this is completely fresh, completely different perspective. So the challenge there will be, you know, incorporating everything in a way that is, um, you know, that, that is interesting and complete and, um, keeps it alive and manageable. Aww. Um, but that's always, I mean, that's always <laughs> the challenges. And I, you just posted an awesome article on Twitter from The Guardian. My brain feels like it's been punched. The intolerable rise of perfectionism. <laughs> what can we do in our schools to help students let go of that need to get it right, to Ugh. be perfect? It's so hard. And because I teach AP, I get those students for whom the the high achievement is the perfect mark or the, per, you know, um, they, they have very high expectations for themselves. Their parents have high expectations for mm-hmm. them. They believe that the school wants them to be perfect, you know, wants them to do everything. Um, so it's, it's a hard mindset to work against. Um, one of the advantages on the other on the other side of things when I'm teaching AP is um, I, I have the opportunity to teach them about writing as a process in a way that they maybe haven't internalized when they were writing pieces that were endlessly perfectible, right? Like and endlessly drafted, and you know they're, the idea that they're they're going to hand it in as their best work because. I'm teaching them timed writing um, and timed writing is in it by its very nature draft work mm-hmm. um, and so I kind of get to strip away a little bit of that idea that they're gonna end up with a perfect product and I can show them models of uh, student work that has shown the level of thinking and composition necessary to do well in that kind of writing and it's not perfect and you know early in the year they will nitpick it to death we do a lot of critique of these sample pieces from students Um, they'll pick everything apart and they will you know they'll criticize everything and they'll 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 score it really well you know i don't give them scoring guys but we'll we'll look at you know success criteria for it and they'll just give the these really really damning uh comments about it and then i can sort of turn around and say um this was written in 40 minutes and that moment of realizing that you know it's not perfect and it was written in 40 minutes and it was um and and then we go back and look at you know what's the actual thinking there even if the punctuation isn't perfect Mm -hmm. or 
Uh, even if there was a misstep in the reasoning, was the overall argument sound? Did it use good examples? Did it explain well? And so they start to see that it's not necessary to be perfect in order to be good. Ooh, I so, like that. Um, and, and, you know, then I start building up their writing and, you know, I'll say, I'll, I'll give them 10 minutes um, to answer a, a prompt. And mm-hmm. they'll be like, we, we, we can't. And I said, get as much done as you can. Yeah. Done is better than perfect. And I said, well, no, not even done. You know, you might not be done. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't expect you in 10 minutes to write an essay. Don't be crazy. <laughs> um, you know, you may get a half a paragraph done. Okay. So we'll look at that half a paragraph. What's good in it? And I'll give them that feedback. Like, here's what's good in it. Here's what needs to be worked on. There's always something. Um, there was a quotation by Donald Murray, and I, I don't know the exact quotation, but um, it was something along the lines of, you know, a piece of writing is never done. It's reworked and reworked and submitted to a deadline. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Um, but it, that doesn't mean it's finished. Right. It just means that you had to hand it over. Mm. And I used to put it at the top of a piece of writing, a, a task sheet that we did. And, um, and, and it just, you know, I might actually make a poster of it or something like that in the classroom because that's, I think they, they come to understand that um, a little bit more by doing that draft work. Mm-hmm. Whether, it, whether it helps to cure the plague <sighs> of perfectionism... <laughs> Because they still come to they you and they still, get a mark. And yeah. they still say, why wasn't yeah. this a 90 instead yes. of an 87? Yeah. Like, how do you navigate that? You still, you can point back to those lessons. Yeah. But it's hard when you're actually trying to give a mark. And it's that. hard for me, too, because, you know, I still have embedded in my consciousness that idea that 100 is perfect. <sighs> but then writing is never perfect. So I have to battle that how close to perfect given the circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find it really hard. Like I, I, I can't think of a time when I have given 100 or where a student has earned 100. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are times that the AP scale is a little different and um, that's another mindset shift you know, because it's a scale. So it's a scale of nine. And I say to them, you know, when you're like when you're measuring someone's height, you don't say like, oh, they're five foot five inches out of six feet. Right. <laughs> right? Like that's just weird. It, they just are five and a half mm. or whatever feet. Um, and that's a scale. So, you know, there isn't like an upper limit. Or, well, I mean, there is in that there's a nine. So, you know, if it's a nine, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's just the top of the scale. It's exceeding expectations. It's, you know, it's especially wonderful mm-hmm. for 40 minutes of writing, but it's not perfect. Right. And it actually says that on the on the scale. It says it may still contain problems, but, right. you know, it's, it's exceptionally good work for the circumstance. So it's kind of easier from that on the AP scale to, you know, to, but even nine, like, a, you know, there was one year where I was scoring AP exams and... I mean, I think that year I scored like 1,100 exams or something like that. Um, And I didn't see a single nine in all of the exams that I scored. And I saw two eights that year. There was one nine at our table. Right. Well, this is a perfect segue, actually, to the next thing I wanted to talk about. Because one of the people who is doing Cohort 21 this year, when they register, they have to include a teaching dilemma in their registration form. And I thought of you instantly when I read this. 
um, because the teacher mentioned something, I can't remember how they worded it, but it was about how can I help students monitor their own progress in their learning and keep track of the feedback that's provided them. Because as we know as English teachers, that feedback is way more valuable than the actual numbers. Um, so I remember you actually showed me this mm -hmm. like system that you set up um, and then I stole it and I love <laughs> it and it changed a lot about how my students actually process the feedback that I gave them and moved them away from just looking at the mark to actually trying to make sense of and digest whatever written feedback I gave them. I'm not sure if you still use that system, oh, yeah. but yeah. So can you explain how you set that up with your students, what it's all about and how it helps them actually grow apart from just getting a grade mm -hmm. it's actually i mean it's I, I don't really see it as being terribly revolutionary but like forcing them to do it makes the difference like mm -hmm. working it into the pedagogy is the is the key so i was the i was the kid who read the comments yeah. and and then had in my agenda i had like a section where i kept track of how i was doing in each of my subjects yeah. and um you know, one of the com big complaints about the feedback is that the kids don't read the comments. So how do you know they're reading the comments? And so I thought to myself, well, one of the ways for me to know if they're reading the comments is for them to put the comments into their own words somewhere where I can mm -hmm. see that. And uh, because we have uh, Google Docs where we can share that and I don't have to, we don't have to pass it back and forth and it's just always there. Um, I just had each student, uh, I created a template and I had each student um, use this template and um, the rules of the template are really, really simple. Uh, I tell them, um, and even if it's not, even if it's a formative piece of work, so even if it's not a major piece of work, so we may have done, uh, you know, a, a 20 minute timed writing, if they got feedback on it, yeah. then it needs to go in there. So that's the first rule. Um, and then there's uh, three columns in uh, in the template, the first one is um, where they record in their own words um, what they have done well or improved on since the last time they did that type of piece. Um, and it, again, in their own words, so it can either be something that they've taken from my comments and then they've put it into their own words, or if they see something, they can put it into their own words there. The next column is, um, and, the, and they shouldn't put more than about two or three points. It has to be something that is um, uh, pretty contained. Mm -hmm. um, the next column is uh, what's something that they didn't do so well um, or what's something that they that they need to focus on. Um, and so through those two columns, I can see what are they getting from the feedback and I can see if they've actually read the feedback. <laughs> um, so that's the first step. And then the most important column is the third column, which is their action plan. Mm -hmm. um, and that actually takes a little bit of teaching because their action plans are often not action plans, mm -hmm. they're goals. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I will, I will do better on multiple choice. That's a goal, but it's not a plan. And so I have to explain to them that an action plan is something that you can actually see happening, mm -hmm. um, that you can actually, if, if you imagine like a to-do list, it's something that once you've done it, you can check it off. It's a verb. It's, yeah. So what are you going to do? Are you going to, I will review the ones I got wrong and try to figure out what kind of multiple choice I have, I struggle with. Mm -hmm. um, that is an actionable thing. Um, or, you know, if you're having a problem with a grammar thing, I will do a lesson on no red ink. Mm -hmm. 
um, or if you if it's something that is more that's more extended I will book an appointment with Ms. Rice to go over blah. The nice thing about it being a Google Doc too, besides being able to share it back and forth, is I can use the comment feature right. and I can go in and make suggestions. Mm-hmm. Um, Why don't you do this or have you thought about Yeah, or here's a link to a really good resource yeah. or something like that. When I first started doing this, um, it, was about, it was about six or seven years ago now, um, my first class of students found it really tedious mm. and they complained about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, in the course evaluation at the end of the year, I said, this is the first time I've done this particular uh, process. What are your thoughts? And, um, a couple of them by the end of the year complained still, Yeah. but a number of them, um, talked about how, when they were reviewing their skills for the year, uh, or when they were reviewing things, um, that, uh, they, they started to see patterns and they started to see how far they had come mm. since the beginning of the year. So when I looked at that, I thought to myself, I need to work in a little bit more of that metacognitive metacognition, mm. <laughs> like the not just writing everything down, but taking time to see the progress so that it validates the use of this totally. strategy yes. so that it's not it doesn't come across as just busy work. And, and clerical, yeah. yeah. But it actually becomes meaningful to them in terms of how they're tracking their own growth and also what they're planning. Mm-hmm. And so now, my next step was building it into not just the recording of things, but also, um, you know, holding them accountable for their action plans and having them set aside time to catch up on their action plans. Right. Um, so, you know, in their homework, I would remind them things like if you've not yet, it, like review your action plans and pull out something that you haven't really done yet and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also, at the end of each unit, um, ha- use some time in class to ask them to reflect on um, learning goals from the unit in there and to go through up until that point and to see like how... Uh, I actually would just say to them, here are their le- like three or four learning goals. Put them into the column that you think is appropriate. So if you feel like you're really solid in this learning goal, put it into the first column. If you feel like there's something you need to work on with this other learning goal, put it into the second column. Yeah. Add your own commentary. Why is it, do you think? What evidence from your work? Um, like go through your notes and go through your records and, and talk to me about why you think you've achieved this learning goal. Or, okay. And then... Um, and then go to the action plan. If there's something, then catch up on your action plan. So making it a little bit more recursive in terms of going back and looking at things and not just recording them and then leaving them. And the more I started to do that, the more feedback I got from students about how useful it was. Yeah. This year, I tried mandatory conferences outside class time. Ooh, was that inspired by the cultures of yes. teaching? Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, it's not really sustainable. <laughs> uh, that is, okay, I don't mean to say... So, I mean... I, I feel like it's yeah. good to hear you say that, because hearing... So the, for people who don't know this book, Creating Cultures... What is the uh, book called again? Cre- I don't remember. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes, but okay. it had this teacher who basically created this structure 
of not taking as much writing home, right. student writing home, and was conferencing with students, sometimes in class, but largely outside of class, because he found that those conferences were a huge dial changer in terms yeah. of student work. And I found that in grade eight as well, just if I could just get enough time to sit with each student, that would be more valuable than all this written data that I'm giving them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is comforting to hear that you, master teacher Jody Rice, is also struggling with that. And and also, I only teach three face-to-face classes. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of flex time in my schedule because of the online course and because of the online supervision. And mm-hmm. I was four-fifths for a number of years. So... Um, I had a lot of outside of class time to navigate and to slot students in. This coming year I won't because I'm back to five fifths and some of that time is going to be LC related. Some of it is going to be working with uh, my team uh, mate in AP. Mm -hmm. So planning and and doing marking and that sort of thing. uh, Because we do a lot of that uh, co-planning and co-marking. And she won't have that time because she's five fifths. Right. So um, it's not fair of me to offer that to my students when she can't offer that to her students. So I'm going to have to renegotiate that a little bit. Um, So this year what I did was I had each student sign up for a 10 minute slot um, and it was their slot uh, every once a cycle. So we have the eight day cycle. Mm -hmm. So once a cycle, they came in for 10 minutes. Um, They brought in uh, it worked one of two ways. If it was an unprogrammed conference, they brought in something they were working on. Mm-hmm. It might be a short exercise that we had done in class, um, and I might point them to it. And I keep they they keep a, a Google document as a an exercise journal sort of thing ongoing throughout the year. So it just I would have them pull that up. I say, let's look at what we did in class the other day, and let's talk about what you can do to make it better. Um, if it was a programmed one, then it was something specific that we were working on that I wanted the, I wanted to talk about their progress toward that particular thing. So, um, for example, if they were working on their modest proposal, persuasive speeches, um, then we would be talking about, okay, so, you know, what are you struggling with in terms of framing your satire? Uh, or I would ask them to show me how are you working your expert opinion in. So we would work on something specific there. Um, and most, and and then sometimes I would just say we're not going to have conferences this week. If you want to come and see me, you can, but there's no requirement. And that would be um, some usually like during report card time or something. Um, I did have one cycle. I think it was toward the the first um, report card with actual comments and marks on it. Um, where I had them do some, I had them fill out a form where they were reflecting on their progress and then they came in and we talked about their progress and basically that was what was went on, what went on their report card. Right. So the cool. report card was basically what we had talked about. Um, and that was kind of cool. convenient. It was. Did you record the conversation? I, I recorded typed, yeah. Yeah, love um, And, you know, then I just, then it was just wording it nicely. But that's so transparent for the student and gives them that power to be like, Right, this is exactly what I talked about. There's no surprises yeah. here. And then when the second report card came around, I had them fill out another form, and I actually asked them, um, was there anything on your report card last time that you found surprising? Right. Um, and uh, I think the only one only one of them said, you know, I was surprised at like how well I did or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but most of them were like, there were no surprises. 
And, you know, I use those tracking sheets in the um, parent interviews. Yeah. That I, I actually... That's perfect. I like, actually just put it up on the screen. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm and, just planning my entire year right now in this um, conversation. Yeah. And I just, I turn to the student and I say, so I, and I, I, I tell them about this in advance. I say, you know, <laughs> this is what's going to happen in, yeah. in the, in the conference and I say so here's your tracking sheet perhaps you'd like to explain to your parents what it represents mm -hmm. and if there is something on there that you want to call their attention to then we can start there and so they'll just they'll explain the mechanics of it mm -hmm. and you know this column that column the other column and here's something we did and here's another thing we did and I did really well on this and I didn't do so well on that mm -hmm. and that's usually sufficient and the parent feels like they're getting insight into that thought process that this yeah. and the learning process that the student um, is is going through and you know it gives the student a framework to talk through what their learning yeah. experience is so that you're not just sort of throwing at them okay tell your parents what we're doing in class and they're like oh, 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 we're learning stuff yeah um, so it, it's it's helpful and and then you know and then I can pick up on something that the student has pointed to or hasn't pointed to I'll mm -hmm. say you know like let's let's look at this bit over here where you did this thing and um you know how did how did that feel and you know later on you recorded that you really improved in that thing or that you're still struggling with this item and so what sorts of things are you doing and what's in your action plan and yeah. so the parents see that the students have an action plan and that that's their accountability and um and that it's tailored to their needs and mm -hmm. uh yeah I love it and the next thing I wanted to ask you actually so beautifully ties into this. Um, I feel like what you're doing is actually helping students enjoy the process of learning and learn for the sake of learning. Because, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, because it's not just about here's a project, here's a mark, now let's move on. Here's another project, here's a mark, now let's move on. You're actually hopefully getting the students to think about the bigger picture allowing them to see their growth and their progress and seeing some of the trends like oh i keep struggling with proofreading when am i going to start putting that into my action plan we could talk about this for oh, days and we probably will <laughs> I but do, uh, we're as gonna it, close already off, do. Uh, with our ticket out the door okay. so a bunch of random questions to close off because uh you know we do ticket out the doors in our classroom to mm. send people off into the world and we're gonna do one right here okay are you ready i think so all right uh what is your favorite book to read to young people uh <laughs> what age <laughs> yeah nora age uh, nora age um I don't know if I have a favorite book. I'll read anything. Oh, I, I won't read those fairy books she was interested in a while back. They were awful. Um, no, I'm reading her all my old childhood classics. We're Aww. finishing up the Little House books, problematic as they are. And it's funny because I was having a conversation with her the other day about, you know, oh, you know that that's not true, that blah, blah, blah. She's like, Mom, I know. This is from the settler's perspective. It's not from the First Nations and Indigenous people's perspective. And they are doing it only from one side. I know already. <laughs> You've done well by her. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Best gift you ever received as a teacher? Uh, handmade truffles. Ooh. Favorite place to visit in Canada? Um... Algonquin Park. Favorite place to visit in Toronto? Oh, ah. Uh, oh, heck. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Probably something uh, either with green space or with good food. Mm. 
If you weren't a teacher or a lawyer, mm. what would you be doing for a living? I would be uh, designing costumes for the theater. Ah, I love it. Particularly historical ones. Yeah. Who's your favorite edu celebrity? Uh, edu celebrity? Um, I love Jennifer Gonzalez. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to put out a shout for Brian because he's awesome. And uh, Brian's Dabnick. Yeah. And I, I don't know how he does everything he does, but he's awesome. And his podcast, Talks with Teachers, yeah. is so yeah. good. Uh, what's your favorite school-safe snack? Uh, anything with chocolate. Yeah. First <laughs> thing you do when you come home at the end of the day? Ah. Uh, first thing I do when I come home at the end of the day? Um, uh, sometimes if... Uh, David is cooking dinner. I'll ask if I can help with anything, and I usually can't because he's usually like the master of the kitchen. Um, I usually picked Nora up, so I'm usually haranguing her about <laughs> something she has to do, and she's usually not really happy to do it. So because mm -hmm. it's the end of the day. And then finally, what is the future of learning? Oh, jeez. I know. Um, I think the future of learning is going to be uh, teachers helping students find uh, and, and utilize and evaluate online resources to plan their own paths of mm. learning. Thank you so much for taking the time during your summer to chat about teaching because we're thinking about it anyway. So yeah. it feels really great just to check in and talk about this stuff with you. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you, Jody, for sharing these very applicable practices in your classroom. I'm wondering how you help your students manage and reflect on their feedback throughout the year. You can send a voice memo of your brilliant strategies to our email address, which is weareteachingtomorrow, all one word, at gmail.com. And then your awesome ideas just might be included in an upcoming show. If you've got something out of this episode, please share it with a friend. That's all the time we have for today, folks. Keep ruling your classrooms, and remember, we are teaching tomorrow.